0: face-to-face for the first time started and the last we have no weapons of any kind
1: Welcome, everyone, to Cinema Arcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those worlds collide. My name is Steve Gunley, reporting to you from a dripping, chain-filled monastic prison. Uh, very happy to have everybody here. And who is this here joining me, getting real close to my face and then sticking their tongue out and then moving away real fast?
0: Uh, the bitch is back.
1: Um, <laughs> this is JPAN. And who else is with us?
2: Uh, hi, I'm just Justin. Uh, that's that's just normal. You're
1: just you're you're just a normal guy with a totally shaved head, yeah covered in Yeah, And a barcode. And a British accent. And a British <laughs> accent. Absolutely. Definitely
2: not the guy from Hitman. Definitely Don't worry not about the it. guy from Hitman.
1: No. Definitely uh, a very distinct British character actor. Who's yeah, why easy to were tell they? Why were they British? It was shot at Pinewood Studios yeah. in, in London, so they just, they <laughs> just, just cast locals. <laughs> and of casting.
0: all future people are British. That's
2: true. Everybody That's what in the future, Star Wars taught us. And all least,
1: villains in the past are yeah. British.
2: And all villains in the future are also British. Yes. And, so. and just
1: sinister uh, sinister villains, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Brits get kind of a hard rap with that. Like, they're either <laughs> hard like, rap? Or they're either I mean, like, deserved rap? I think it's historically accurate.
2: <laughs> In the history of England, only
1: Hugh Grant has been allowed to be charming, and that doesn't seem fair. That's a blanket statement that I'm pretty sure checks out. I'm going to check on that, but I'm pretty Look. sure I'm right. Uh, welcome, everyone. Today's episode is all about Alien 3. We are continuing our series cubed. on the Alien series, Alien Cubed, if you cubed. will. Yeah, it does look very cubed. There's
2: Much th- like
0: ham, it's cubed. There's yes, exactly. <laughs>
2: this <laughs> movie's all about ham. There's three times the aliens? No. There's three no. times the ham. There's yeah. like uh, one alien.
1: There's less alien. There's three yeah. times less aliens than in the previous movie, uh, more so. I have kind of become like a weird pseudo evangelist for this movie this year. Uh, This is my third podcast in three months about Alien 3. (laughs) It's called Stockholm Syndrome? A little bit. Okay, I talked about it on uh, Sledgehammer Horror where we were talking about my first horror movie because, spoiler alert, this is my first horror movie. Then I talked about it with Scott Weinberg on his podcast, Overhated, where I was defending movies that uh, get a bad rap or are overly hated. And I think Alien 3 is firmly in that category. I definitely expect this to be a bit of a divisive conversation. I know I'm still a little bit in the minority with my opinion of this movie. Um, Some people are coming around to it. Some people are eventually coming around. But I think a lot of the problems with this movie were due to a Horrendous production and just bad word of mouth from the There's press.
0: There's nothing like starting
1: to film without a script. You got to love that. That's got to feel really fun and really exciting for everybody. everybody it's, it's called totally, improv? Totally chill and normal. Yes, you definitely want to be improv with like a huge special effects budgeted movie. Let's
2: improvise an alien film. Let's yes. go. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think given the production that this movie went through, it's kind of amazing that it turned out as coherent and as effective as it does. That's my argument. But we will get into this. Um, I think this is a movie that is kind of designed to piss people off. And surprisingly, that pissed people off. You would think. Like, you'd be surprised. So to that effect, it's very effective. So, the the rep of this movie at
2: the time <laughs> i said so and then took a drink of water yeah i figured you, you were gearing up to something but uh, yeah yeah uh, i this movie did two of the things that i hate about the way a movie can start okay uh, specifically a movie or media piece that happens right after another one okay yeah where, like
1: immediately picking up the story
2: yeah where they go hey by the way you know those people that were alive with you? Nah, they're dead. Okay. Don't worry about it. They're They're dead. just dead because this script doesn't work if they're here. Um, and then the next thing that they did was, hey, you know how you killed all the aliens? Well, you didn't. There's yeah. one left. It's on your ship, and uh, it's causing a problem. Yeah. And then, like, the worst part is... She goes to the uh, disembodied AI uh, robot of Bishop yeah. and is like, Hey, did the ship catch this thing on the scanners? And he's like, Yeah, it did. And I'm like, Oh, why didn't it tell anyone?
1: Because the company runs those computers and they want that egg to be there. Why,
2: why didn't they check before they went to sleep?
0: Yeah. And, like, there's so many there's things so many like, plot holes. Look, she this.
2: was tired. Okay, <laughs> it, that was a that was a bad day at aliens. Okay, <laughs> then take a normal nap <laughs> and then take a, a space nap.
0: <laughs> normal nap, then space nap. Everyone yes. can agree. Normal nap, then space. That's nap That's the pecking order. Well, and it's just so ridiculous because like I, like uh, that's exactly why I hate like sequels that completely negate
1: sequels. Yes. Uh, tsh- Star Wars, anyway. Uh. <laughs> okay, I have I have a take on Somehow this. Somehow he on this. returned. Yes, I have a take on that for sure. I don't think that's necessarily what this movie is doing. Uh, but uh, let, let's talk about a little bit of the production cycle, and then we'll kind of get into this, because this is a really noteworthy movie, because... Uh, it, this is one of the most famously disastrous productions in film history. They went through multiple directors, multiple screenwriters. They scrapped entire plots, entire set pieces. Uh, they they basically redid this movie like three times. So the original script was written by sci-fi author, author uh, William Gibson, who you might know as the author of Necromancer or Neuromancer uh, uh, books like that. He wrote this to be a direct follow-up to Aliens. It was going to have a very similar tone, a very similar style, and it was going to star Hicks. The the, the bold thing that that script was going to do was that Ripley— Was not kill him? Ripley is basically—well, <laughs> that, and also Ripley is basically in deep freeze the entire movie. The intention was this was going to be a part three and a part four, and Ripley would come back in part four. Um, so that was the original shooting script that they were working with. The screenplay was ultimately dropped, although you can now hear it completely on Audible. Oh. If you download Audible, they released this as an audio drama. Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen came back <laughs> and reprised their roles, and then they have a bunch of other cast members. So you can listen to this movie as as like an audio drama.
0: That's, that actually sounds very
1: exciting. You that... would think so, and then you listen to it, and it's like, this thing's pretty fucking boring. Oh, <laughs> like no. I think this movie would have been... Uh, really lame, but you know, it, it's it's a it's a very hard sci-fi kind of movie So like if you're more into Star Trek than I am then like it feels very Star Trek to me um, But definitely check it out for yourself. It's it's uh, worth listening to and developing your own opinion um, But that yeah that script was dropped uh, There was a follow-up script written by Eric red that would have taken the aliens to a small town on earth which, again, they're they're dangling that idea of aliens on Earth over us this entire series, and they never quite pull the trigger on it. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Earth. Uh, David Twoy, uh came in with another pitch about an industrial prison planet. Uh, David <clears throat> Twoe, of course, would go on to run all of the pitch black movies, the Chronicles of Riddick, oh, all of those things. Okay. And up-and-coming director Rennie Harlan, who at this time is best known for Nightmare on Elm Street 4, was hired to direct. He would also do like Die Hard 2 and uh, the biggest flop of all time, Cutthroat Island, which we will talk about I in a future love episode. Cutthroat
0: oh, Island. That's
1: going to come up. We're going to talk I about that. I love that movie. I've never seen it. I'm excited it's to watch so it. So good. Yeah, I've, I've heard people defend that one. Um, But yeah, so Rennie Harlan was hired to direct, but he, he became frustrated with the constantly shifting script and he walked out. So he was replaced by a New Zealander uh, named Vincent Ward. Who started directing, uh, developing a script based set on like a satellite made of wood that was gonna have it was gonna be a monastery. Uh, so these were all just gonna be like priests floating on this like satellite made out of wood.
2: Space priests. Uh, Space priests. And the crew wasn't
1: really crazy about this concept, and Fox was worried that the film would be too esoteric and artsy to be like a commercial hit. And Ward refused to make any changes. So he walked away from the project and eventually Walter Hill and David Geiler were brought in. Uh, they were like their original creators of the series and they had to come in and like amalgamate all these various different elements into want some kind of workable final draft. And each of the scripts that have developed so far were kind of sidelining Ripley. For whatever reason, they looked at the second movie and they thought, oh, that Ripley, she didn't really pop. You know, (laughs) like, that's Sigourney Weaver. I don't think she's got it, you know. So they were trying to write an alien movie without her. But also, she also kind of didn't want to beat it into the ground, you know, so it was a little bit of that, too. At the time, she was kind of considered the only woman in Hollywood who could successfully open an action movie, like a big blockbuster action movie. And, uh... They kind of quickly realized that she's the heart of the franchise, so they coaxed her back into the role. They gave her a hefty payday and she had a couple of caveats. Firstly, she wanted the movie to be completely fresh and unique and couldn't repeat anything that was done before. So she wanted somebody who was going to have a very distinct style who was going to come in and kind of continue the cycle that these movies have been setting up of each one feels dramatically different from the one that came before. Uh, she also said the new movie uh, Could not have any guns in it She's a staunch anti-gun uh, uh, Advocate oh. and she didn't Really like the super militaristic nature Of Alien 2 So she really wanted this to be a no-gun Movie um, both politically that, and because that would be interesting as a plot dynamic. And then finally, her final agreement was she would only agree to come back if Ripley died at the end. Oh. She did not want to keep playing this character in perpetuity. Like every time she wakes up, she's in another monster-fueled nightmare. Like she just wanted to let the series end on a grace note. Um,
2: so it was around this <laughs> Is time. Is there a fourth movie?
1: There's a fourth <laughs> movie. We'll get into that. We'll get into Uh-oh. it. It was around this time that David Fincher came on board. So David Fincher, when he was hired for this movie, was twenty six years old. He was emerging as kind of the hottest music video director in the industry. He worked with Madonna and a bunch of other people in these very flashy music videos. And he was looking to make the transition to the big screen. He wasn't super excited to take on this movie because it's not his universe, you know, it's not he's jumping in on a franchise and that didn't sound that fun. But um they, they promised him total creative control. <laughs> which probably did not happen. And uh, they, they threw him in with the production already underway. People were on set and shooting without a director for two weeks before he showed up. So he had to kind of wrangle everything that was happening there. Um, and because he was so young and untested, like the Fox executives went back on their word pretty much immediately. At some points, they were saying, like in interviews later, uh, cast members were saying that there were more producers on set than there were cast members.
0: That's what I've heard as well. <laughs> like
1: they were just they they he was being babysat to oblivion, um, and. You know, Fincher, as a result, uh, you know, the the studio insisted on these really heavy cuts that deviated from the film he wanted to make. And as a result, he has disowned this movie and to this day will not acknowledge it as like his work, which I think is overly harsh. I hope he comes around on it. but the experience almost killed David Fincher's film career. Like, he almost walked away from the industry entirely. Luckily, he found two champions. Uh, Arnold Koppelsen, who was a producer on this, who would end up producing his next film, which was Seven, which was a massive, massive hit. And Sigourney Weaver, who repeatedly came forward and said, like, no, this this guy is great. The studio really hamstrung him in a really horrible way. And, like, he made the best out of a bad situation. Yeah um and the movie itself was a decent enough hit it made 150 million dollars on a 60 million dollar budget but this had cycles and cycles of bad press on it like everybody knew about how tumultuous the shooting process was and when the movie came out and it was very bleak and nihilistic like it made it an easy target i think people really wanted to uh pick on this movie which kind of feels like it's a bully in a way also
0: because it deserves
1: it we are going to get into this. I am here. I am here for this argument. I am here for this argument. Um, here's the thing I'm going to say. So I'm assuming you guys both watched the theatrical cuts. Yeah. Okay. So in 2010, the editor of this film went back and released an extended edition that's just called the assembly cut. It's not called the director's cut because Fincher had nothing to do with it. But this is the version that is closer to what David Fincher intended to have. It's 30 minutes longer. And it fills in a lot of the plot holes. Okay, the biggest plot hole. I uh, did the biggest thing that the assembly cut adds. Do you remember the character of Gallic? Which one was that? Gallic uh, is with the crew in the very beginning. He sees his buddies like get killed, and like blood is splattered on his face. And they tie him to the bed because he's going crazy.
2: Oh, and he talks about the dragon. He
1: talks about the dragon, and then he just disappears from the movie. We have no. At last, we see him. He is strapped to that bed, and we never see him. Gallic is played by actor Paul McGann. Okay, Paul McGann was up and coming at this time. He was being tossed around as a possible James Bond for before Pierce Brosnan got it. Uh, we just talked about Warlock with uh, Richard E. Grant. He and Richard E. Grant co-starred in this British movie called With Null and I, that was sort of a big crossover cult hit. And so Paul McGann was kind of a biggish name and he's, if you watch the credits, he's like fifth billed in this movie. And you're like, all right, why is that guy getting such high billing? It's because he has an extra huge subplot in this movie we learn that Gallic is kind of the, the outcast amongst outcasts. Like the other prisoners don't want to be around him because he's too crazy. And when he sees the alien kill his friends, he thinks he sees God. And he starts worshipping the alien like a god. Uh, at one point, there's an extended sequence where they actually manage to work together and trap the alien. And they're going to like just kind of keep it in this cell for a long time until it gets out. Gallic comes in and lets it out.
2: Because oh, my God, it's so God. stupid. Oh, it's fun good. fact. It's good. Oh, no. it's stupid. Fun fact. Stupid, but like, stupid. I'm I saw glad that version that. of the movie. You watched that one? I watched okay, that one. You watched that one. Okay. I was just, as you were saying this, I was pulling up my phone going, "Which? <laughs> what was the, the duration of the one I watched? Yeah. No, 100%, that's the one that's that the one I watched. That's the one you watched. Okay, okay. Um, so, man, I might have different opinions. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. See, I um, I
1: always thought this this whole area was really cool. It was really edifying for me. Uh, because I never really knew why this character was in this movie and then just disappears. We also get to see a lot of what happens to, like, the other prisoners. Like, so many of the you prisoners... You mean just...
0: all the prisoners who look and sound exactly the same?
1: That was that One was a my problem. That was a complaint that people had. Like, it turns out if
2: everybody doesn't really have hair, it's kind of hard to and tell them And wearing
1: the same outfit
0: and having the same accent.
1: <laughs> I, like... I'm I admit I'm like a a film nerd and I love character actors. I love especially craggy faced British character actors. (laughs) So this movie is just pure heroin for me. It's just like put more Brian Glover in my veins, you know, give give me that Pete Postlethwaite. But, you know, like I, I don't have too big of a problem telling them apart. But when I was younger watching this movie, that was definitely an issue I had, especially on like a low res VHS tape. But like this, this extended version does piece together a lot more of the plot. It lets us know these characters a little bit more, distinguish them from one another, and uh, get to be a little bit more invested so, in their story.
0: At the cost of thirty extra. There's Meghan. other
1: things like we get we also get to see more exterior shots of the planet that look really expensive and gorgeous and like Like we get to the, the opening shot of the assembly cut Is charles I'm, dance walking on the beach and this it's crazy. And yeah. I
0: very rarely like alternate cuts of movies I like I feel like you've got one cut that cut is the cut just yeah. deal with it
2: I don't think i've seen a normal cut so far yeah, I think all the ones I've seen, You're, you always pick have the, weird been the directors or alternate cuts of, it, of the Alien movie. Yeah. If it was
1: a DVD, it would be like the whoa, brother edition or something. They yeah. always have the stupid quotes from the movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's a little bit of my history for this movie. As I've said on other podcasts, this was my first horror movie. I watched it uh, at a sleepover uh, at a friend's after a friend's birthday party, and it scared the ever-loving piss out of me. Like I'd never seen anything quite this gritty How or old gnarly. Were you? I was like ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah, and it was like my first experience with like gore and like this grime and this this really cool visual style, and it scared the hell out of me. But I became obsessed with aliens after this. I don't know if you remember this, J-Ban. around this time they were like trying to market. They were trying to like do an expanded universe thing with aliens. Alien where they were,
0: toys were amazing. Alien and toys were amazing. They were so much fun, and they would like shoot things. I had like the little
1: fat things. one that had like two little missile aliens in his chest that he shoots at you. Like there, you got all these different varieties. <laughs> Of, like, alien action figures, and they were dope as hell, right? They were right? Dope. They, they were, were great. They were really cool. And these never worked their way into anything else. It wasn't, like, an animated series or anything, but they were clearly trying to get kids excited about aliens. I can't
0: imagine. I know they floated the idea of an animated alien. They both. Like, I just can't imagine an animated alien, unless the aliens were suddenly, like, like oh, Jew is. I guess I'm the fun alien. <laughs>
2: well, I think it would have been more of, like, the... Of, like, a serious, almost anime style. I mean, they of...
1: would probably do it based on the Space Marines. I like your idea better. I want to see, like, a Ninja Turtles with, like, four <laughs> radical xenomorphs, like, uh. getting into trouble. This wasn't... They were doing that a lot in the '80s. Like they would take hard R-rated movies and turn them into kids' shows. Like oh. RoboCop, Rambo. Yeah. RoboCop to- had a, they had kids' shows? The yeah, RoboCop was an animated show. Yeah. Uh, the Toxic Avenger had a animated show for a while. Like they, Rambo. Rambo, yeah. Wait, uh,
2: These how did all, Rambo defeat the bad guys? They,
1: I don't. I don't remember. I don't think I watched that. Uh, like, karate. That was, that Lots was like of guns. Guns
0: were still. Thing. Guns were still a thing.
2: That's fair.
1: You were still allowed to use guns in kids' cartoons back then. But, yeah, no, there, there, there was this effort around this time. So Alien was in the zeitgeist, and I became very obsessed with it. I think three years later, I got um, – I call it my, my birthday of trilogies because I got three box set VHS trilogies for my birthday. It was Star Wars, Die Hard, and Alien. And so I watched all three of those, like – box sets over and over and over again. Some good again. Christmas movies in there. Yeah, some good Christmas So movies. I definitely have a lot of aff- affection for this movie. I understand it's unpleasant. I understand it's nihilistic. It's also a really visionary movie Made by, like, a, a uh, very young person who is facing so, a lot of adversity. A lot of adversity.
0: David Fincher is amazing. I'm not saying, like, David Fincher has done a lot of work that I really admire, like, and he disowns this movie. And I think that that tells you all you need to know about this movie <laughs> is that he disowns this movie because it's such a, like, uh, it, I get, like... I can't get over, like, you start the, the movie with a child autopsy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, like, it's very intense. It's very, like, um, and then, I, I don't know. It, there was interesting that they, um hit, like, um, Ripley had more. Chemistry with Hicks But she ends up Sleeping with Clemens But she, she just t- like She's like I'm almost dead I need to Like have sex with someone Like and, like It, it was like,
1: a bit of a deflection it Yeah was but...
0: like, and It was just like And Clemens is like Charming But he's no Hicks um, It's true And
2: However I think it would it be Strongly Yeah I'd be yeah. strongly Frowned upon To have sex with Hicks At this point um, <laughs> Due to the He didn't situation. Look, have to die he, he, he didn't Have to die Okay this I can
0: even get behind the fact that you you killed the child because you didn't want to hire back a child actor, or you didn't want to. She was aging out it. of the
1: role. Yeah, she would have but, been close to twenty at that point. Yeah,
0: so I could understand that, but like to not bring back Hicks, like I don't
2: know, like they they could have basically made the same movie with a double feature of Hicks and uh, and Ripley, and had the those moments of like especially when she finds out that she's pregnant with the, the fucking alien. Yeah. That would have made so many good conversations and moments between the two leading up to when she finally decides to, you know, solve the problem. yeah, um, And also it would have, it could have been, you know, an injured Hicks. So he's not like, you know, Marine badass so that he's not taking all of the Action. Well, and he's right, not going to have
0: any guns. Yeah. So, like, he has to use his wits and they have to use their wits together. It could have been a really close relationship uh, that, you know, Hicks, like, it, they could have done so much with it if they had kept Hicks alive.
1: But this is my thing, I think. It's like, okay, aliens is the escalation from alien. You get one and then you go to like thousands of them. All right. So, where do you go from there? You know, how do you elevate the threat even more? I love the choice to not do more. Do significantly less, take away all their weapons, put Ripley alone without any allies in the most hostile possible environment, and see how she fares there. And
0: it's a very, so as a lady, Mm. seriously like are we upping the ante by just having her surrounded by rapists and like and the the attempted like this is Ripley and she gets nearly sexually assaulted and some man has to save her instead of her saving herself it's just such fucking bullshit yeah such bullshit and uh, like it's just like oh my god like I would have preferred if they were all monks and they just didn't like women uh, as opposed to these prisoner um, aspect Um, (laughs) because Weird
2: prisoner kind of monk aspect. It's kind of a cult. Yeah, it's a very
1: monastic kind of setting. Like I, I love the 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 art direction with like these endlessly long corridors that are lit by candles. So So that being said,
0: I will say I did like the aesthetic, a lot of the aesthetic choices, and um, but also like the alien looked like crap in this one. The alien did not look good compared to the other two movies, which were you know a decade before Um, and it was just it was like the shoddy workmanship Uh, I will say the things that I liked about this movie is I really liked Dalton yeah (laughs) he's like he's, he's so charismatic
2: which one was Dalton
0: um the preacher guy
2: Oh okay yeah. Oh um uh
1: god is that his name Is Charles That's S Dutton is the actor Oh, maybe maybe I'm is, missing um,
0: me- maybe I'm messing up Dutton with Dalton Uh I thought I thought his character name was Dalton but maybe I'm Oh, why am, am i up.
1: blanking on his character name all of a sudden Yeah but no Charles S Dutton is amazing in this movie yeah, so, Like this is a good Charles movie Charles dance is very good Leonard. Charles Dutton Leonard good. Yeah um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think he's great. I think there. I mean, I think Weaver's great in this movie. I think that this is a really well-acted movie, I
0: think, yeah. overall. Yeah, well, the acting is good. Like, it's just that the writing isn't there. And the pacing of the movie is very uneven. Um and like we know all of this we know all of the mysteries before Ripley finds out them like we know yes. there's an alien we know that there's uh, she's got a chestburster uh, we we know all of these things before she finds out so it's sort of like it undercuts the suspense yeah I I, mean, I I can
1: understand that
2: i also there's just so many things where this felt like a movie that was stepped on by a producer the the issues with uh, the 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 alien not looking good. I imagine that was somebody without an actual like creative mind going, well, we've done this before for this other movie. Let's do it for this movie. And they're like, no, let's do the thing we've been doing. And then getting overruled.
1: They introduce an interesting bit of lore with this alien, which is that like, so all we've seen so far are aliens that have sprung from human beings. And so now we get to see an alien that springs from a dog and so the alien takes on or much an more. Ox in the or an ox cut. in the assembly cut. Wait, it was a from a dog? Yeah. In, I, was in from the, an, I saw an, you an saw ox. You saw the ox version. Okay. The, the, the theatrical cut version, it's coming out of a dog.
2: Um, there's so, just a dog
1: chilling? There's just a dog. Uh, one of the prisoners has a Rottweiler. Oh. and uh, So it comes from the dog and so the the alien looks and behaves a little bit more like a dog and that's why they they kind of established that going forward that it's going to take on some of the traits of its host which I think is an interesting kind of which idea. I'm
0: perfectly fine with. Yeah. I just think that he doesn't look as scary and like the CGI is really bad. Um, CGI has not aged well. Yeah. But uh, Like, cause I'm, I'm a puppet girl. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and that's in
2: that she is literally being manipulated by (sighs) strings right now. People can't see, uh, whenever she goes in and out of rooms, it's awkward, but, uh, yeah, no, it definitely, it felt like one of those decisions that was made by somebody who said it had to be done because I don't think anybody involved would have said, Hey, this made the movie better. Um, I think having a, a good puppet, having good practical effects would have been great, um, it just there's so many things where it feels like somebody was infer- interfering with it, and it's my oh, well,
1: there was. I, there was,
2: yes, yeah, yeah you're there's a ton of interference. Um,
0: you, can, you can see it in like the fact that, um, it's just like they're going in one direction and then they take the, an abrupt left to turn and then an abrupt right turn, and then a, like all of a sudden they've gone in feel a
2: circle, super cohesive. It's,
1: it's one of the yeah, you're talking about the final kind of conflict with the alien where they're trying to like channel well, it. Before place. we
0: get to the final conflict, I also want to go back to saying. Other things that I did like about this movie. Yeah, please. I love Ripley's haircut. (laughs)
1: it looks it, dope. it looks badass this was such like a do you remember this being like a big tabloid thing Yeah. like it's like oh my god she shaved her head like this was the time when Sinead O'Connor was doing this and no one else
0: yeah uh and it was very controversial and it was just like sort of like a really like bold move for a woman to make it's like to shave her head yeah uh and she looks fantastic she absolutely does. uh she looks so good in this movie six months out of having a Fucking baby! That's the
1: crazy thing. That's, she had a baby. She doesn't just look at. She looks. She has to be sickly. This movie, which is, uh, uh, it's a hard thing to play. It's especially in an action movie where you have to be kind of like she has to be under the weather this entire movie. Yeah, and she somehow looks like kind of frail. Like again, just six months after having well, a child. And I
0: did make fun of the fact that she just jumps into bed with Clemens, but I did like the fact that she like took charge of her own sexuality and she's like yep. you know I almost died twice in yeah. like you know in the last what m- my experience two weeks um, <laughs> I'm gonna get laid yeah Uh, hey, you gotta uh respect um, that but I did think it was funny that she was wearing more clothes in the like the postcoital scene mm-hmm. uh, than she she does in like any other like scene. It was really funny, which I think uh,
1: does emphasize how uh, just sort of functional that encounter was meant to be. It's like sort of like I needed some endorphins. You, well, you're you'll do. You're relatively free of lice.
0: Well, and it's just like I don't know, like you're, you're relatively free relatively.
1: of lice. <laughs> the, the assembly cut really goes hard on the lice. You see a lot more <laughs> lice in that version.
0: Now. Are you are you joking? No, I'm not. No. Oh, wow,
1: there of, was a lot of lice. There's, there's parasites all over. That's
0: <laughs> they're that's, alien. They're they're technologically futuristic. They should
1: have they, rid. That's why they have to shave their heads and like wear like all the dumpy yeah. clothes because there's they, such oh, a uh, pestilence problem. Th- on there's
2: multiple uh, scenes where it's just like they find something that's just covered in lice.
0: Are you serious? Yeah.
2: Correct. Yeah. I'm
0: really glad they cut that for the theatrical cut. Like, I. I wish they they cut it from this cut. I'm itching right now. I can't stand. Like, when you just talk about it, it's just like, oh. All
1: right. I'm going to make some kind of general defenses of this movie and kind of explore a little bit about why I like it so much and why I defend it so much. This is. The absolute opposite of what you expect franchise filmmaking to be, all right. Like you said, like it is supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be a yes and it's supposed to be like, okay, this is this last movie really really worked, let's do this again, but like bigger and and louder and more violent. And they go the
2: absolute opposite way, like they go a a solid no, but so I think.
0: They were going in the opposite direction, but they never delivered. If they had gone all the way back to Alien and they had a cast of six people, but instead you have a cast of like, I don't know,
1: 25,
0: 25 people of which 10 are bald British men yeah. uh, who look identical to each other um, like they they don't. uh to, they wanted more kills, so that they added more people. But that undermines the stakes. The thing Alien and Aliens does so well is they create personalities. Like we, like we're like in, a, in the game. We're gonna talk about it later. But it ends with the game over, man. Right. Because like that guy was so memorable. Everybody in Alien and Aliens are so memorable. And in this movie, we've got. Um, Dutton and Clemens, and that's about it. Like everyone mean, oh, else come is. On,
1: yeah. You have Morse. You have you have uh, eighty five. You got you got yeah, some great. Characters. I don't know not, which ones uh, those were. don't know though. who those are.
0: We don't know who those are. <laughs> uh, and we're like, is this the ball? Like, and it's <clears throat> also hard because they they look so much similar and so much alike, and they're all supposed to be, and they're not rootable. Like they're rapists and murderers, and so you're like, you're not rooting for them to succeed.
1: And again, this, this is the thing. I this is the reason why I kind of prefer the assembly cut because it does let you uh sympathize a little bit with these people. Like it, it's a very interesting setup. Like these prisoners are not just prisoners. They are a skeleton crew left behind in a mostly abandoned foundry. Their whole job is basically to keep the pilot lights lit and maintain the grounds a little bit. And they're trusted to do this because they formed a kind of millenarian cult where they are like abstaining from sex and violence and anything like that as a way to try to atone. Like they are in the shittiest place in the world because they are bad people, but they, they do have this one redemptive thing about them. They are, they have found some kind of weird religion and they are trying to, make something a little better about themselves. but they
0: don't nail that because they turn out to be so rapey yes, yes. at least one
1: guy
2: turns yeah. out to be four Hold, four four the guys colony. four holding guys the in there yeah four
0: guys that, that was a team effort it was it was
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that like they make comments and stuff throughout and so it, you really don't like they don't necessarily have to be likable but they're too hateable um, it's and fair, they're,
1: they're nasty guys, they're nasty guys, like, but this is a movie that's going for a nasty vibe. Weirdly, yeah. like... <laughs> David could, Fincher is
0: notorious for having a very pessimistic view of humanity. Absolutely,
1: I feel like his... He, there's his,
0: some quote about him thinking that everyone is, like, um, liars and perverts, or something like that. Something
1: like, yeah, and I mean, that comes across, and, like, you also have to remember, this is a very young man making his first film, and the fact that he's coming out of the gate, like, so strong with so much fuck you energy, you have to kind of admire it. Like, I, I, I would definitely find it annoying, admire
0: the fuck you energy. I, I would find it annoying
1: I, if he was less talented. I like, kind yeah. of
2: wish that there was a director's cut that was more of his uh, uh, imagining of it, yeah, his I, image of the movie. I believe the assembly um, cut is like
1: pretty close, but uh, he hasn't disowned that. But he's also said like, yeah, it's fine.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, because like. It seems like there was a lot that could go for it, but just some of the execution didn't hit so well. One, the casting, I feel there was a lot of not distinctable, distinct enough uh, casting. And just to double down on this for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, uh, the movie is almost entirely shot in mid like, uh, midlight. Like there's no bright lights, it's all kind of dim. It's very
1: grimy, it's very industrial, it looks it looks very early. It's fine
2: unless you have a bunch of characters who all look alike, who all have the same haircut. Uh and that is something that I specifically struggle with in movies. Yeah. Where I'm just like I there was a few of them that I could tell apart, uh, and they were the some of the more notable ones, which was nice. But,, uh, it was just so difficult. There was no, again, if they at least had different styles of clothing or something. But it's like it's like the uh, the equivalent of if they went, like, the police had a description of bald guy roughly this height roughly this amount of scraggliness and then called in a lineup for the, them to look at and it's like I mean, these people are hard to distinguish in dim light it's
1: fair it's fair but I, I, I'm, I'm pushing back on it just because we have the benefit of like some of these actors have broken out some of these actors like Pete Postlethwaite, would get an Oscar nomination the year after this I mean Holt McCallany is on Mindhunter now like he's really great like there, there are some actors in here that popped eventually and you could recognize Recognize them at least as, like, hey, it's that guy's, or enough of them have like distinctively uh, craggy, those are faces. the
0: actors, the characters are all the same, yeah. The characters, the
2: characters are all very similar.
1: Uh, the... I, I feel like the movie does a decent enough job of culling out the, the background characters and whittling it down to a skeleton crew. I think we care With, enough about the survivors, which we should
0: talk about them, the, the deaths. Because if we're yeah. going to talk about a horror movie, we should talk about deaths
2: yeah
0: uh and i feel like they overplayed their hand because i feel like probably the best death out of all of them except for the the uh, dutton's death yeah is uh the um the fan blade death that's uh, the
1: one that really that, fucked with my head when i was a kid yeah that yeah. one was
0: exceptional the other ones are um they're, like they're just like They're just not that spectacular, especially compared to the alien and aliens where you have people being stabbed through the chest. There's more blood in this movie. There's more gore in this movie than the previous ones. Yeah. Uh, But it's definitely like they're not like spectacular like deaths.
2: It's not like unique and interesting. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Like, you know, an alien coming down from above and then stabbing them up or anything like that you you really it's just kind of generic oh alien killed them well Uh, a little bit but
1: you know i i i want to go back to kind of the yes anding element of this because you you shouted out star wars earlier i consider rise of the skywalker one of my least favorite movies of all time it pisses me off to no end and (laughs) i think it's very Uh, very very different from what we are in accordance (laughs) yes thank you thank you I think this movie is very, very different than what that one is trying to do. Okay, so Rise of the Skywalker is kowtowing to the most toxic elements of fans that didn't like The Last Jedi that didn't appreciate like a couple of unique twists being added to the formula that they loved and then just like frantically scrambling to get back to what they need
2: whether it makes sense or not <laughs> nobody's it, problem was with the fact that twists existed it was with the problem that they every twist abandoned everything that came before and like no we're going I, this we, way we're not going to turn it's, this into a Wars. Star Wars podcast I'm saying, oh. we're not going to I could rant Wars about podcast. it for a while
1: I, I, this feels very much like it's still within the world of Alien. It feels like this is a logical next step that this could happen. You know, uh, that, that if if Ripley, like you know, we assume at the end of Aliens because Aliens comparatively to this one feels like a pretty sunny movie, even though yeah, it's very definitely. grimy and very violent and very action heavy. But it feels a little lighter than this one. We assume because that one feels like so much more of a Hollywood production that they're riding off to the sunset. And this one is very harsh. Like, no, they are still in an extremely dangerous environment. There are no guarantees. And like if the alien doesn't kill them, then other things might still.
0: I think this thing, it's the Aliens 3 has possibility and it doesn't deliver on that possibility and I think that like the things I've mentioned I feel a smaller cast a tighter like a cast with uh, an, a, with like stronger characters um, not killing I don't think they should have killed Clemens in the middle of the movie like I think Clemens yeah. like you know like they start to build a good relationship with um, Leonard uh, or the preacher guy yeah, uh, but um, they
1: I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna look that up again. So okay, up. Uh,
0: but yeah, and it's just like they're they so they switch midstream having like primary uh, Dylan. Relationship. They call him
1: Dylan. Dylan. Oh, I Dylan. I Dylan, I was Leonard. Dylan. I was Dylan. Yeah, 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 okay, that's why I was like, Leonard doesn't sound right, but yeah, sorry. Okay,
0: Dylan, Dylan. Uh, and they and there's just so much that they could have done uh, like I feel like they could have cut 30 minutes from the movie uh, and that they could have made it, like, an infinitely better movie. And I, I think um, uh, I do see I uh, feeling that they're a bit hamstringed by Sigourney Weaver's... Um, demands cuz like um the thing about like killing the the alien the last section of the movie where they're like just running and mm-hmm. doing maze running um uh like it, it's fine it's it's
1: it's fine i will agree that's an area i struggle with and that's like i think this is the one area where you really feel like okay fincher's a first time filmmaker it's like you get what he's going for he wants this to feel disorienting but it's hard to shoot something on film as disorienting without actually being disorienting. Well,
0: and you don't understand the geography. That's
1: a big problem. Yeah, we don't really know what the layout of this is. Again, the assembly cut has a moment where they're looking at a map at the very least and you can see what these tunnels are all leading to. But uh, I, I agree that that's kind of a problem That that final climactic moment. And that is where you start to feel like some of these characters you didn't it's, like, Do, it's not so much that they look alike It's that like I wasn't sure if I if, saw them before If you were Ripley And I am
0: Would you have said Sure Waylon yutani Get this guy out of my chest Oh hell no Or would you have thrown yourself into the furnace
2: So Yeah uh, that, that definitely Is probably the direction I'd go But it's like they She tells that one guy look I have one in me. I can't survive. Yeah. And then when the the time comes where it's like, it's probably a good idea to to solve this problem. He's like, nah, fam, you got to do your own thing. And she's like, what the
1: fuck? I mean, no. (laughs) like, you know, he he, he trusted she would take care of it because he had to stay down there and fight it. But like, it's an interesting choice to have the one survivor be Morse. Who's almost like the comic relief character yeah. to the point that there is a comic release character but he they, they also give the one line earlier where he said he has made a deal with god to live forever and he's the one person who walks away from this now you don't get the sense that he's going to live very long after this because he's going into the custody of people who want to silence him but there's an interesting little bit of like faith seeding I guess where like uh, uh, there where uh, there there's that little glimmer of hope that little glimmer of like okay maybe we don't know everything because Morse was not the strongest or the most capable or the most cunning or anything like that he just kind of made it through and the, all the most capable people ended up dying but yeah let's talk about that finale a little bit more yeah. because this this was built into uh, Sigourney Weaver's contract. It had to happen. It was going to be a stipulation, and I I do think it's the right move for this movie. I think and, it's the right
0: move for this movie, but I think it's the wrong movie wrong move for this franchise. Like I, I they
1: they will we'll get into it next week with Alien Resurrection, which is another movie. I feel like I might be. Um, defending i don't know i have
0: have very fond memories of alien resurrection so weird (laughs) it's pretty fun i'm super curious about like going back and watching it because i remember so much of it and loving i remember loving alien resurrection
1: there's a lot of really fun stuff in that movie that i'm going to defend but um it, it is kind of a very final note here like And it it works for what they're trying to do with this character. This is a character that has been in this constant, nonstop nightmare. Like, she even has a great line in this movie where she says, like, you know, she's talking to the alien, and she's like, you've been in my life so long, I don't remember anything else. Like, this has completely subsumed her life, and she has to face the greatest fear that she's had, which is a recurring thing. Like, since the moment we see uh, Kane's, like, chest explode in the first movie... And then you watch her reaction in Aliens the first time you see, like, a, ch- a burster coming out of, like, that yeah. prisoner that's strapped to the wall or that, that colonist that's strapped to the wall. Like, she is having such a visceral, emotional reaction to this. So we go into this movie understanding that this is her greatest fear. Uh, it's true. It's happening. There's nothing she can do about it. And so she still needs to fight forward. And I think that's a really interesting way to still, like, make this yeah. character heroic in... This very different milieu
0: Yeah I think that's fair Uh, And I think um, I, I, I think it works With the movie I just yeah like I said I think it's a bad choice for the Franchise
1: you know, um, I I like that they're l- limiting get, a little I guess, bit. So
0: this is one of the reasons why I'm also like not to get back on Star Wars. I get so annoyed when pe- when uh, characters or people actors are like, I'll come back to this uh, franchise, but you have to kill me. Like, you, let it let the story serve the story. Right. Like, don't tell, don't give these bullshit like um, caveats like to hamstring the storytellers. Um, it's just like ugh, I don't know. It's just really annoying.
1: But I also feel like limiting the franchise in this way was smart. And I was, cause I was thinking again, we're going to go back to star Wars, but I was thinking about star Wars recently and thinking like the next generation is not going to think star Wars is that special. Like our generation grew up with like star Wars being like the coolest thing. It was, it was and it was because of the scarcity because we had a 16 year chunk where we got nothing and so we had to make up our own stories and kind of live in the world and develop it ourselves. Uh, and the
0: beautiful extended universe novels. Absolutely. Oh my god. They're the so EU great. novels were so good. They and were fantastic.
2: The best character ever introduced in sci-fi, Jar Jar Binks.
1: Obviously the greatest character of all time. But yeah, you know, look, you I think there's something to be said for scarcity, for for rarity. You know, this is I think if we have yearly versions of Star Wars or yearly yearly versions of aliens, it stops being special. We stop giving a shit about it. Like Prometheus would come out uh, like 14 years after their alien resurrection and then it would only be followed up one other time. There's probably going to be more aliens in the future but it still feels like few and far between enough that it feels still feels special. The entire
2: Alien vs. Predator franchi- franchise?
1: Absolutely. Both both of them. Yes. Including the one uh, the Alien vs. Predator Requiem, by the way, does not count as a movie because you can't see it. I've never
2: seen any of them, so you
1: you literally you you probably have seen it and you don't know because it's all black. You can't see a thing in the goddamn movie. It's the most poorly <laughs> lit movie turn of all the time. Gamma is up
0: that the one with bit. A.G. and Brody?
1: No, no, that's Predators. Uh this is Alien vs. Predator Requiem. I, there are no stars in that movie it's real bad um, that's a that's a divergence but like I don't know I feel like the decision to kill Ripley in this movie is a smart one like I think you, it's fair you can keep making the movies without Ripley I suppose but like Prometheus and Alien Covenant don't really work um, they've got some weird ambitions and I appreciate what some of the stuff they're trying to do but they don't quite work
0: I don't know if I'm a defender. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about those movies because, like, I, I really I forth. love a backstory. Like, I will read a Wikipedia page to like yeah. the cows come home, uh, and it feels like it feels like those movies are Wikipedia pages. Um, it,
1: it, it's it, there's clearly like somebody has some kind of idea, some philosophical idea behind that movie, but there's a real lack of clarity of vision in those movies, like. I would like a little bit, like, to cut through the bullshit and kind of be like, all right, what are you trying to say here? Like, what what's going on? Um, that's a digression. But, like, I don't know. I, I still love how thorny this movie is. I still love how this movie is able to get under your skin in a way that a lot of, like, second sequels are not even going to bother yeah. trying to do. Uh, I appreciate that it's such a big swing. It doesn't always work, but, like, the fact that such a clear and specific directorial vision came through all this bullshit, like all the multiple script rewrites and the, the overwhelming producers and all the nonsense that had to go into the making of this movie. S- something really razor sharp cuts through here. Mm-hmm. like, And it's something that still has the power to this day to upset people and to um, kind of get under their skin. And I really kind of appreciate that about this movie. I'm not saying it's without its flaws. I'm definitely <laughs> can, acknowledging that it has its flaws.
2: Can, can we, have we mentioned... Uh, the Waylon yutani Corporation's uh, response. At first, they're like, hey, yo, shit's fucked. One of the aliens is here. And they're like, ah, we'll be there in a week or two. Yeah. And they're like, hey, yeah, takes, she's pregnant with one? And they're like, bro, five hours. I'll be
1: there. Yeah. Turns out we're much closer than we thought. <laughs> that, that's an interesting thing, too. Bringing back Lance Henriksen <clears throat> to play a, allegedly the creator of Bishop. Yeah. Although yeah. there's some ambiguity there, like especially again, I'm going back <gasps> to the assembly cut because when eighty-five whacks him in the back of the head, in the assembly cut, Justin can back to sub It's fully clear that his ear is like straight up sticking off of his head. His ear is falling off of his head in a way yeah. that looks robotic.
0: I, I don't think it makes any sense for that not to be for that to be a human being like I, I think it has to be a, I feel like it has to be an, an Android
1: terrible. yeah but like his his ears like you can see it a little bit in the theatrical cut his ear has fallen off his head after that
0: because um, like why would you
1: like
0: why would you use the model for an Android that like would actually be an important person in Whalen Utani? that doesn't make any any fucking sense yeah
2: I, uh, I, I but, think it's probably another droid so, personally. but yeah I, I do I did find it interesting that in, uh, in the Wikipedia article and in the IMDB, they refer to them as Bishop Two, Yeah. Uh, and not just like the guy's name.
1: And they kind of retcon it even further. Alien versus Predator, again, is not canon, but like Lance Henriksen is in that. And I think he's playing Utani. I think he's playing the guy who founded the company. Or he might be playing Wayland. I forget which one he's playing. But he is playing the guy who founded the company um, back in 2004. And now he's like a multi-billionaire. But, you know, it, it raises a lot of interesting questions, I think. I mean, I don't know. I I understand this is not a 100% successful movie, but...
0: Well, and again, I think it suffers from following Alien and Aliens. It <laughs> does. Because Alien that's that's and Aliens benchmark. are so good. Absolutely. They're so, so good. They're, like, essentially flawless movies. Um, like... Uh, and they're just so fucking good, and they're so tight. Like the stories are tight, the caricature is like the character development is tight. It's just like it, it. Like when I watch those movies, I feel amazing. Yeah, I feel like I'm watching a stunning piece of cinema. Um, and I, it just this is not a stunning piece of cinema. It, it's it's not it's not like I'm not making it like it's not terrible, but it's not it it's not it doesn't live up to its predecessors
1: Roger Ebert famously called it the best-looking bad movie ever made so i don't know you might be more you might be closer in that camp but uh i i i will always acknowledge its flaws but i still have a special place in my heart for this movie and i think i think it's due for a little bit of reevaluation and i i hope that uh I hope that people check it out, even if you have a div- diverse opinion as, as we do here. Yeah. Like, I, I hope well, you check it out. Well,
0: and like all the Aliens uh, movies are available pretty much on Hulu at the moment. So why not? Really? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I bought the Quadrilogy DVD. Even though I hate the word Quadrilogy, I got the word Quadrilogy. I like the word
0: Quadrilogy. Oh, it drives me nuts. I know it, dri- it drives a lot of people crazy, but. Oh.
1: Well, shall we move on to the game? Yeah, let's move on to the game. Let's talk about Alien 3 The Game, which was various versions of it were released between October 92 and May of 93. It was developed by Probe Software and published by Acclaim, and this was released on the Super NES, the Genesis, the NES, the Game Boy, the Amiga, the Commodore 64, the Master System, and the Game Gear. Lots of different versions of this. We played the Super NES version for those who are uh, keeping up with us, but... Yeah, there were several versions of this game released on systems that were functionally dead. Like the Amiga, the Commodore, the NES, and the Master System were not really heavily in production at this time. So it's interesting that they all got games. Um, there's, There's quite a big difference between the two big home console versions of this. We played the SNES version that has six levels and uses kind of a password save system. The Genesis version doesn't have the same system. It has nine more stages on top of that, so 15 total oh. and bigger sprites in general. But the general consensus is that the Super NES version is the far superior game. Um, this, this is kind of a weird amalgamation of... Like this is another mo- another game that uh, struggled a little bit with the weird production cycle of the movie because some elements of these games are based on earlier scripts. So like the Genesis version is a two-player game and w- w- the other player is Hicks. You get to play as w- uh, Ripley and Hicks in that game and uh, H- Hicks ain't in part three. He, he didn't really uh, get very far. <laughs> he got a little bit into the opening credits. Um, so this was still working on that operation, that, uh, the assumption that he is alive. And despite weaver having that very very strict no gun policy for the movie that is really not present in this game which uh not only has a gun it has a triple gun that has a flamethrower a grenade launcher and a uh, machine gun all built into one thank
0: goodness it does
1: because you also have to deal with a lot 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 more aliens yeah it's not just one alien uh it is like the, the, the this game is crawling it's- five
2: seconds into this game you blast your first alien. and you're like all right done game over <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that was this, game over
1: man this movie would have been so short with a gun yeah uh, um but yeah this is this has kind of an interesting structure to it like the sprite and the environments are clearly like reflecting alien 3 the movie like she's she's got yes. the uh, shaved head and like it's clearly in, in a the prison, prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a lot of recognizable locations But it also has an interesting kind of mission-based structure, which you don't really see a lot in games like this uh, at this time. So you start the game by going to a console, and you get to choose which mission you want to take on. They give you like half a dozen uh, different options, and it ranges from like finding the missing prisoners who might be trapped. The prisoners are weirdly chained to the wall, (laughs) which just occurred to me. Like, who chained them there? Yeah, who chained them? I had that
2: thought immediately when we found the first one. I was like, Let's get up there, bud.
1: Yeah, yeah. How'd you how you That's
2: not aliens don't don't change people the walls. No, not so much.
1: They don't really did, have those uh, kind of fine Did something motor get out skills. of hand here
2: before the aliens showed up? Yeah, or? yeah. It's just a bad
1: time for the aliens to arrive. Um, yeah, but then you also have to like go to different areas and like uh, mend different cracks in cooling pipes or seal off doors to prevent aliens from getting in. That's an interesting approach, I think. And uh, I thought it was fairly well implemented like it's an interesting struggle when you're doing kind of an open structure like this when you don't have an in-game map that's like readily available but they give you a terminal that you can look ahead you can look at the blueprint there are a couple of terminals there are a couple yes, of terminals a, a few but you can't just bring found. this up at any time like, which uh,
0: would make terminal. the game so much easier if yes. you could just bring up a map uh,
2: i want to point out the game looks good the game this, does look good. For it being made in 1992, this game looks like it could have released on the Game Boy Advance.
0: And we were talking what? because this one, um, this came out at the same time as another uh, cinema arcade uh, mm-hmm. classic, Wayne's World. Yes. Uh, and this is a g- this Excellent. game is so much better than Wayne's World. It's much infinitely better. better. Uh, it's uh, It's got really fun. Uh, the jumping mechanics are a little wonky, uh, but the shooting uh, mechanics are pretty good. Um and the aliens are kind of tough to kill. They're not too tough, but they they take like a hit or two to kill and then they explode. But they, you don't have to worry about um, uh, acid blood. Acid blood, yeah. uh, Except for occasional, like, a, a, occasional, like, just on the floor, there's yes. acid blood.
1: What did yeah. you call them, Justin? You call them drippy goopies or something? You gotta jump over the drippy goopies. Doos. Yeah, yeah, the drippy doos. Yeah, no, there, there are some little drippy bits. Like, yeah, th- this is a pretty satisfying, pretty fast paced kind of arcade style the, action game. The
2: only complaint that I have is that there is, from what I can tell, no way to. Oh,
0: look at, look at him yawn. Look at the little guy. To
2: save or resume from where you were at. Yeah, this um, is and a I one don't death and you're done kind of when game. When you die, you keep your mission progress. Because we didn't really die after we started making it places.
1: Yeah, Justin solved our one and only mission. Uh, You figured out which doors you needed to weld. I got two out
0: of three. You got
1: very close. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You both got closer than me, um, where I I was trying to rescue the prisoners, and they're like, nah, I'm good.
2: If it had
1: a reasonably
2: solid way to handle that, uh, this game could have released on the Game Boy Advance and people would have been happy with it similarly to the movie i think this is a game that a lot of
1: people have sort of reappraised it's become a little bit of a of a cult favorite among uh fans of this particular era of video games and i i think it, it is a respectably solid game like as a work of adaptation i don't know that it really quite nails yes. the vibe like yeah we, we have the aesthetics here but it is like playing aliens in alien 3 cosplay mm. in a weird way like
0: Well, I do, I think they got the setting of the jail right. And I feel like that goes a long way uh, towards like setting this game in that movie uh, because they've got a lot of the like, they got a lot of the setting
1: they do yeah no they they got the dripping chains they got the junkyards they got all the prison cells like and and some even recognizable locations like you go into the med bay at one point and you're like oh yeah this is where charles yeah. dance got i would
0: killed. have liked to have seen some boss fights i like the i like the i like the format of having different missions i find it really fun way to explore the same map and yeah. uh but at the same time i feel like having like one of the like the arcade game that we played the the best part of it was the like, the crazy bosses that yeah. came, came down the pipeline
1: those very much reminded me of the action figure line like where we've got like oh this is a stretchy neck <laughs> alien and this is a this guy's gonna shoot stuff he looks like an urchin and he's gonna shoot stuff in every direction like yeah, yeah I, I think there is kind of a final like boss confrontation but uh, it basically just looks like a slightly larger version of the aliens you are fighting the entire game so a little anticlimactic uh, uh, but you do have this very versatile gun like right from the get-go where like flamethrower kind of feels like the default i think that's just because where our fingers went on the control pad we're like yeah i guess we're flamethrower people but you do have the machine gun you do have a grenade launcher like all from the get-go you don't need to like upgrade those or anything
2: and this game does something that i i like and if we we had more time uh to put into it we probably would have felt a lot better with it and it's that uh you're going back into you're re-exploring areas. Yeah. And doing different things in those areas, which means that you can start to get a feel for things. You can yeah. start to
0: Well, get for an example, idea of the, the Med Bay had an obscene amount of house. Oh yeah,
1: it did. Yes. Oh yeah, it did. Which made sense. But we also got a chance to kind of like once we understood the structure we're just like oh this is a weird looking computer terminal i bet this is a quest later on we should mark this for later or like
2: yeah to when keep, I was keep trying this to, in mind when
1: i was trying to save the prisoners i clocked some of the cracks in the pipes you yeah. know so like and that's a different mission where you go through and weld those together so. yeah
2: and so to to make it clear the missions when you select them you start from the terminal and it's the same place no matter what yeah. so you just back away from wherever you had accessed the terminal from and you go do the mission, so it's kind of open world in that regard. Of like, they have a ha- little bit. <clears throat> they have this world. There is a, a little. It's a little intricate in terms of how things are done. There are some uh, famous platform or floating platforms there's monkey bars, monkey bars into floating platforms. And as a person
0: who hates jumping, the jumping wasn't that bad. It, it
2: wasn't that bad. It, it was a little stiff. It definitely and, could have been better, but...
1: But it, 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 I feel like the challenge level on this one was pretty reasonable all around. Because yeah. It's it, it's a one it's a one life and you die kind of situation, but your health bar is pretty generous and you can, like you said, you can go to the med bay and find like 130 health packs and like... <laughs> Not 130. Yeah. It, enough, to, enough to fill your health. Enough but to top you up. The, yeah. the
2: thing is, about the difficulty level is that uh it's not difficult because they needed to throw in some fuck yous uh it's it's just you know uh the aliens sometimes will catch you when you're not expecting it or yeah. when you're trying to do something else or uh, and so yeah i definitely feel like uh they they did a good job for this being 1992, and
1: yeah. they they definitely nailed one 1993, element, which is uh, big flaming pits that I kept falling into. <laughs> yes, uh, which I feel like Ripley is just kind of drawn to it like a moth to a flame at
2: this point. She's like,
1: "Ooh, big flaming pit! Can I do a Terminator?" That two was into actually that? in
2: her contract for if they made a game, a big flaming pit contract. There had to be a lot of flaming pits yeah. so that the classic writer, yeah, the uh, what you might call it, the the ratio, the distribution of places that you die at yeah the flaming pits had to be high enough oh absolutely
1: yeah those are the big three things she said all right uh no guns i need to sort my m&ms by color and put them in my dressing room also flaming pits wherever you can pit them fit them wherever you could pit them uh can and they say, only did so one. so sigourney weaver yeah. you know uh
0: i don't think we'll get to galaxy quest because i don't think it was a game there's not but, uh, and she was 50 In Galaxy Quest. She's so... Looks amazing. So beautiful. So talented. So nice. Like, oh.
1: I mean, just last year, she played a teenager in Avatar 2. Like, obviously, it was a CGI performance, but she embodied the behavior and physicality of a teenager. That's pretty crazy. Like, she's so good. Uh, She's fantastic. Love Sigourney Weaver forever. Um well, yeah, I think, and uh, I think that's about it about the game, I right? Think like, so. it, it, it's it's if, a little limiting because we have this one game to talk about, you know, compared to all no, the different if, options we have with the other ones. If you
2: have the ability to play your emulator, you're into playing retro games. Uh, give it a try. Yeah, sounds It felt, especially for the year that it came out, it's one of the earliest games that felt like it really put a lot of things together, and it, it feels like it could have come out in two thousand four.
1: Absolutely. I, th- I think this is a perfectly solid little action game. Definitely like, worth it. If they
2: just slightly higher resolution sprites and this game would have been great. Absolutely. Uh, great for you know 2004 or 2006, that era. But I absolutely could have seen myself playing this on like the Game Boy Advance or something. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't have been, especially if, uh, like I mentioned, the death mechanics made sense. Uh, which I, I don't know how well that makes sense because, again, once we figured things out, we every time we had died before, we hadn't done anything notable. Right, we hadn't right. finished anything. But, uh, yeah, this, this would have been a game that I would have gotten and been like, oh, hell yeah, this is a good time.
1: But, it, again, the, the, worth mentioning, the Game Over screen has an audio clip of Bill Paxton in Aliens saying yes. Game Over, man. A pretty high-quality <laughs> audio clip. But it also kind of typifies, like, that this game has a little bit of an identity crisis. Like, I think if you're looking, <laughs> if you're looking for a pure piece of adaptation, this isn't it. But uh, it's a pretty solid little action game for um, 60 bit would, players.
2: I would compare it to the the DS game that we played uh, last it, time, the Alien Infestation. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's got
1: some, it's got some similarities.
2: Yeah, it definitely, it's a solid side scroller. Uh, what do they call them, Metroidvania-type yeah, game? Yeah, a little uh, bit of that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty decent.
0: Uh, so are we rating? Let's rate,
2: because
1: uh, I, I think we're, we're, we're really going to deviate. We've, we've honestly had similar ratings pretty much across the yeah. board on this show, and I think we're going to deviate here.
2: I, I think especially we're going to all hate the game. Right? Absolutely. That's yeah, <laughs> we definitely agree on that.
1: Um, so each week we are rating, ranking what we've talked about from the scale of uh, good movie, good game, to bad movie, bad game.
2: Unless you're like me and don't conform to scales most of the exactly. time, exactly. Or we just
1: make up our own shit in between. Like, yeah, we've got a we've got a scale in between. There's room for no modulation. I I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off because I think I'm gonna be the uh, lone voice of reason here. Uh, this is a good movie, good game. I think this. movie Just because
2: fantastic. you're the outlier doesn't mean you're reasonable.
0: Uh, you can't tell me
1: otherwise I'm I've, gonna I've made my case I've stated it multiple times this year the, I'm making my case I'm
0: going to quote Ebert The best looking bad movie <laughs> uh, It's a bad movie and a good game
1: Alright, all right, Justin where do you come down
2: from? Um, as somebody who watched almost three hours I would say it's a movie <laughs> Um, <laughs>
1: That's more non-committal than usual
2: Yeah, and it's more non-committal than usual I think it definitely trends towards bad movie Um I just, again, if there is a lot of stuff there and it just feels like there was, if it's like somebody was doing a cross stitch and just like missed a few spots. So it looks mostly right. Yeah. Uh, Like me trying to draw a star. (laughs) Um It, what is wrong with your stars? Look, I can't draw.
1: Every time you draw a star, there's a little girl getting an autopsy. <laughs> oh, God. It's weird. Now, all it's my dark. stars
2: are slightly lopsided. Look, when you can't see <laughs> images in your brain, uh, it makes drawing hard.
1: Right. This is the thing. Like, this, I, I, I only uh, – this is a di- divergence, but, like, I only learned that this was a thing for people that they don't have, like, a mind's eye that they can't oh, yeah. like, imagine. I,
0: things. I, 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 I have, like, a – basically, it looks like a – uh, like a shadowy outline
2: oh so you've yeah. you got this deal. yes we, yeah. we we're together we're on this together one on this. we've, you guys we've have had this like conversation an before monologue? Yes. yes you do and okay. i dream in full beautiful color wordy okay as,
0: uh, my mon- internal monologue is wordy as fuck and great my, mine too. um uh <laughs> which i'm working on <laughs> uh and um but uh and i dream in completely full color yeah but um yep.
2: The full gamut. I have sleep paralysis dreams, stuff like that. Which is also really funny
0: because, like, I um, I've done like costuming and like, so it's really funny because, like, there's this image in my head, but it like it'll come up like in like little flashes. Yes. Well,
1: I can attest you are both like imaginative, creative people. Like, it's not like uh, it's it's not anything on that level.
2: That was like, one of the things I, I have a certificate in digital media arts from my community <laughs> college back home. You have to say it like And that. the, the graphic design class was the hardest that in digital, that like digital drawing on like a Wacom tablet. Yeah. yeah. Those two things were so difficult for me. Cause I was like, I like, if I was doing logos for my own thing, I would be fine because I know what style I like, but one, yeah. I don't know what the fuck anybody else is going to like it too. I can't, do that mentally uh it's, to like iterate it was definitely one of those
1: mo- like i only just learned a couple of years ago that people diverge in that way that like yeah. i i just I assumed that everybody had like this mind's eye and had this kind of active you nope. know like weird uh, weirdly it's, i don't dream at all like oh wow. I, I, I can i get that <laughs> i i maybe remember one dream a year so oh. that's oh, wow. i don't know that's you know i've been dreaming that's the trade-off a lot lately I daydream. That's my that's my trade off.
2: I I daydream. Except my daydreaming is me just closing my eyes and then thinking through what if scenarios. Oh, fun. Okay, uh, so that's and, anxiety. That's called anxiety. Yeah, that's anxiety. <laughs> well, sometimes they're fun. What if scenarios? Like, oh, okay. what if I opened fun a side. business? What about these logistics? What if I wanted to open a board game shop? Stuff okay. like that. All right. uh, but then also the. The the less fun anxiety parts of like uh, you know everything I've ever done wrong in my life. Oh, uh, yeah. What if things went horribly wrong? What if the project I'm working on at work goes terribly? I get a lot I, of that too. I do.
1: Too. I do have that file of like you know mistakes I made in second grade that just won't stay shut. It just pops open every like, once in a while I, and just like oh hey yeah. remember this you're a stupid idiot yeah. Like
2: yeah. I, of all the things that I remember, that and <laughs> Limbiscuit trivia. Oh, are two that. things That's that okay, I'd be we're, okay we're done, with getting. We're, right. we're cutting Let's that do, off okay, right uh, now. Uh, well, thank anyways, you, everybody
1: for listening. I'm excited that we had such diverse diversity. Did we get through everybody's like, ratings? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I've, I'm bad for. Yeah, we I'm always excited when we have like different opinions on things. I like to. I like to argue and debate about these things. Like you know, I, I, respectfully, of course, uh, which I, I feel yeah. that we did next week we are going to be closing out our little alien deep dive uh, our longest mini series yet with only four movies but still our longest one yet we're going to be talking about alien resurrection from 1997 which means we have entered the PlayStation era for the first time Ooh. we're playing a PS1 game oh. it's definitely oh. not the
2: first time because we have played games that were on the PlayStation 2 we, oh, well,
1: we, we played games Dude. past there yes. like we played games up to the PS5 but we haven't played anything on PS1 just I yet I guess we haven't, um, nope, we haven't. so this is this will be interesting and I haven't played this game in particular so I'm excited are we going to gonna watch
2: it. the Gran Turismo movie and pull out the original Gran Turismo <laughs> <laughs> we could
1: do that I still have not watched that movie neither have I hear are the
2: one who gets to pick the
0: next uh, the next one ever. that's
1: right yeah, oh my up. god I do well we're we're going to have I'm going to let you guys know now we're going to have a month of holiday themed movies Ooh. and games for December Okay. I'm not and then picking January during that first month. week of January is it just is Die Hard solid. in
0: there is it Die Hard in there oh, really? it better fucking
1: be in there I will I will work it in there for you guys Die Hard is definitely in there and that's a weird oh, one because there so, are multiple diehard i don't games, know if they'll but, do yeah. it again
0: and like i don't know how many people who listen to us are in the austin area but they did a script reading of Die Hard for christmas Amazing. last year and i brought my mom to it and it was like one of the best things that i've ever been to who like one of the most the artistic uh, there's this uh, really talented actor named joseph Gorlock who played um um oh my god my mind went blank John McLean. John McLean. Thank you. Uh, the and New they had like a really like they had a really small cast, and they were basically it was a radio play, so they had a live foley oh. artist. Uh, but they're um, That's super, cool. and it was so. so it was that like fun. if they do it again this year, I'm like I'm hitting you, butt, get both up to yeah, fucking I do it. it yeah. Yeah. That yeah, sounds it's fun. so good. That
2: sounds it's, amazing. It's a shame that Bruce Willis can't act anymore. Very sad. Such a a rough scenario to be in. We'll
1: we'll dig into that a bit next month. In the meantime, look out for Alien Resurrection next next week, closing out the Alien series, and then we will see you all for a whole month of Christmas joy. Can't wait for it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I love Christmas movies. Is that a sarcastic thing? Yeah. Okay. I figured it (laughs) might be. I I swear to God, if we watch Elf, I'm gonna be crying. Okay, uh well, get your hanky ready. All right, well, we will see you all next week. Alien Resurrection. See you then. Bye, y'all. Bye.